Welcome to the Cutting Edge Podcast. My name is Bobby Shaw, and on this podcast, we celebrate culture that develops leaders. I recently had a conversation with Jason Brooks, who's the Chief Operating Officer of Zalot Pizza in Dallas, Texas. Jason got his start in the restaurant industry at age 16, working at Chili's, where he bust tables. He went to work for Outback Steakhouse in 1995 as a server and a cook to pay his way through college at Wichita State University. As many great restaurant stories do, this took a twist and a turn, and he ended up managing several Outback locations in Kansas and Oklahoma. He moved to Kansas City in 2002, and with his dad as a co-signer on a loan, he invested in his first Outback restaurant as a proprietor in Independence, Missouri. After a while, he was promoted to joint venture partner over Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Arkansas, and then in 2013, was promoted to regional vice president of the South Market for Outback where he and his team achieved $400 million in sales, operated 120 stores across 12 states, and had 10,000 employees. After almost 25 years with Outback Steakhouse, he made a career change in November 2019, and he now serves as the Chief Operating Officer for Zalot Pizza, a rapidly growing ghost kitchen concept with high-quality handcrafted pizzas with a huge emphasis on culture and mission to improve the lives of their employees, which they call zealots. Now, you can imagine with the emphasis on culture and the mission, we had a lot to talk about on this podcast conversation. So without further ado, here's this amazing conversation with Chief Operating Officer of Zalot Pizza, Jason Brooks. So thank you for joining me today, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bobby. Uh, It's a real pleasure to be able to visit with you this morning, and thanks for reaching out. Of course, absolutely. So would love to just kind of hear about who you are and just be able to tell everyone who will be playing this podcast over the next few weeks, kind of who you are and kind of what your background is. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. Uh, My name is Jason Brooks, and I am currently the Chief Operating Officer at Zalot Pizza uh, in Dallas, Texas. We're a a growing uh, company. Um, I uh, have been in the restaurant industry my whole life. Um, started as a busser at uh, Chili's in Wichita, Kansas, which is my hometown. That's awesome. And then uh, when I went to college at Wichita State University, uh, I started waiting tables and cooking at the Outback Steakhouse. And, you know, at first, of course, I thought I would just work at the restaurant to help pay my way through college, but (laughs) as many people say, but then, um, you know, just really fell in love with the industry and uh, loved the energy of the dining room and being able to visit with customers and the action in the kitchen. And, you know, even as an 18 year old server, I would see that, that shift leader or that assistant manager either running the kitchen or running the dining room on a busy Friday or Saturday night. And, and I just fell in love with it. So eventually went into management, um, managed some locations in Kansas and Oklahoma until I got my own uh, restaurant. And I was uh, 25 years old at the time. And at that time, Outback had a partnership program where you uh, actually bought into the restaurant. So I remember going to the bank uh, in Wichita, Kansas with my father to co-sign on a loan for uh, $25,000 to invest in my first uh, Outback Steakhouse. And that was in Independence, Missouri, which I think is like right down the street from where you were from. It it is. And it's actually where I live now. (laughs) Small world. 
Yes, it and, is. Uh, yeah, my, my kids were born right there in Blue Springs, Missouri at that St. Mary's Hospital. And so anyway, we opened our first Outback. I, I married my wife, uh, Melissa, and, and we moved up to Kansas City and opened up our first Outback and just loved our time in Kansas City, loved the people there, uh, really you know, had a great run with that restaurant there in Independence and uh, was able to earn additional responsibility uh, became a multi-unit leader, uh, had about 15 restaurants in Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. And then in uh, 2013, I uh, got the opportunity be to become regional vice president for Outback Steakhouse and moved my family down to Dallas, uh, where we live now, and um, uh, took over approximately 100 restaurants across uh, 12 states. And and did that job for uh, almost seven years. And it was a, a great run. Uh, Outback's a great company. Uh, got to meet and work with a lot of really wonderful people. But about two years ago, decided it was time to make a change. I'd been with Outback almost 25 years of my life and right. worked my way from a server and a cook to become a regional vice president. And uh, you know, good long run, but again, yep. 25 years is a long time and thought it was time for a change. So started uh, looking around at, at, at some of the, uh, the companies out there and lucky enough to find uh, Zalot Pizza, which is based here in Dallas. Uh, at the time I joined, there were uh, five units. Uh, we doubled in size last year to 10 uh, amidst the pandemic, which was very interesting. Right. Um, and we've got plans to double in size again this year and actually uh, uh, opening up number 11 uh, this week. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, gosh, I could talk about pizza all day long. I just love pizza. But, <laughs> but, but um, I want to go back to something you said. That's an amazing story and what a journey. I mean, what an incredible journey. And uh, as all great, great leaders do, they, they, they always recognize that they never arrive alone, right? They never absolutely do this in a vacuum. They never do this on their own. And and you know, you mentioned that a couple of different times. I think that's awesome. But when you think back at the beginning of your journey, and, and maybe not the very beginning, but at what point was it that you decided that you know what? I think this is what I want to do. And and then why was it? And like, what was the thing that made you think? You know what? I think I could see myself in this industry for the rest of my life. Like, what was it? Well. I think at first, I mean, I definitely enjoyed the hospitality side of it. So just serving sure. customers and making people happy, making their days just a little bit better by providing a wonderful meal and great service. I mean, I definitely have a, a passion for that. So even at, you know, Thanksgiving, my family's at the house. I'm the guy that gets up and pre-busses the table and refills everybody's <laughs> water uh, to this day. Wow. Uh, just because that's, you know, I don't know. I it just, it's just in my nature and I, I enjoy the hospitality side of it. And then I fell in love with the culinary side of it too. You know, originally, uh, you know, when I, I got into the business, I, I, I didn't know as much about the kitchen side, but right. learned it very quickly and, you know, have become uh, uh, very passionate about food. Um, lots of food, good pizza, good cheeseburgers, uh, Nashville sure. hot chicken, you know, whatever. Absolutely. a lot of great food out there. And so really started to enjoy the food. 
but that's what got me into it. But I'll tell you quickly thereafter, I realized it was more just about people. Yep. And it was really just an avenue for me to be able to positively influence the lives of people. So whether I was, you know, a, a leader for 50 employees in one restaurant or, you know, 10,000 employees, it, 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 it was, I felt like it was my duty and responsibility to, mm. you know, bring my best every day in order to make a positive impact in the lives of those that I work with. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and, you know, for you to get to that point where you recognize that all those other things are important, but at the end of the day for you, it was about the people, um, mm -hmm. you know, which is awesome. So as you think about that long journey that you had with Outback and you're now transitioning to your current role, which is amazing. Uh, what were some of those hurdles that, that, you know, you had to overcome because, you know, we all have, them, right. You know, we all have things that kind of get in the way for a moment, or maybe they help to like redirect us a little bit. So like, what were those things that you had to deal with in your journey as a leader that helped, helped you actually be better now? Because when you think about those hurdles, sometimes we think about them in a way that like, man, I can't believe that happened. But then in, in another way you go, actually, it helped me improve. It helped me be the leader I am right now. So like, what were, what were a few of those things for you? Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Bobby. And, you know, looking back over the past you know, 25, 30 years in the industry, there have been lots of mistakes, you know, lots of challenges. And I think that of course. the most important <laughs> part is getting back up yep. and learning from it. Um, but if I were to think about it all in totality, I think one of the challenges that I encountered, and I think many people do, is balance. Mm -hmm. um, especially young in my career, you know, it was all about sheer uh, willpower and determination. And, you know, I learned over time, it's not about necessarily the hours uh, per week that you put in. It's more about the impact mm. of what you do. And, you know, learned probably the hard way that um, I'm going to be my best leader for my people when I'm centered and balanced. And so that means that, you know, I need to be mentally balanced and physically balanced and spiritually balanced. And when I'm as balanced as I can be personally, mentally, spiritually, then I am a better leader. And so, you know, early on, of course, I'd put in the hours and I would uh, skip exercising in the morning or, right. you know, uh, uh, attend a work meeting over my child's uh, little league game or, um, you know, just put in extra hours to be the most successful person I am and then and, and then skip my reading for the day. And, you know, it's taken years of work and, and I would say a work in progress every day, but sure. to prioritize balance, you know, and that you have to take the time to invest in yourself and, 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 you know, staying balanced in this digital world isn't easy. Um, I call it the digital leash, you know, oh my even gosh. if you, so yeah, much so. even, if, yes. even if you do you know, take that Sunday to, you know, spend time with your family or go to church or attend your child's little league game on Saturday, you could check your phone and all of a sudden that digital leash can pull you back in. But, you know, I think it's really important to stay balanced. And at least from my experience, 
when I'm balanced personally, then I'm a better leader professionally. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you're so right. I'm so glad that you touched on that. I didn't know exactly where you were going to go, but I think everyone listening to this podcast is going to be nodding their head. And I, and I certainly am. And I think you're right. I think, I think sometimes as leaders, when we're in the middle of it, we don't see it right away and we find ways to justify what it is that we're doing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, because of the good of our family or how well we can provide or, or, you know, it's just a short term sacrifice or whatever it might be. Right. And we all know that there are going to be times where you're going to have to work more. And it's what you said. It's about achieving that balance. And, you know, sometimes I think about this and I go, okay, it's not, it's not, it's really about what season are you in of life? Right. You know, where are you in your life at that moment? And what does that particular ebb and flow look like? And uh, sometimes the personal side of things have to take a priority. And that's not a popular thing to say, but I talk about it a lot because sometimes you have to sacrifice. If you're going to choose to cheat, you're going to cheat on the work side of things because you have to, because your family's going to be with you forever. And it's not that work's not important. You know, and this is just me editorializing. This is my my opinion. But, you know, you have to be in a position where you can... um, wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and feel good about the person that you are uh, as a leader, but as a husband, as a dad, as a brother, you know, as a son, you know, whatever, as a daughter. So um, I appreciate you sharing that. That's really powerful. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Uh, because it, it, it can be one of those things that we all get hung up on at some point. And sometimes it's hard to find our way out of the wilderness. That's true. That. <laughs> um, I mean, it really is. So yeah, and, so it, and honestly, it's, you know, one of the reasons that I made a career change It you know, I'd spent many of my years traveling and traveling's, you know, uh, there, there's definitely plenty of positives to it. You get to see a lot of cool cities and try yeah. a lot of interesting cuisines. But I was watching my son shoot hoops at the basketball court and he's 15. And, you know, I said to myself, man, you know, before I blink my eyes, uh, you know, this kid's going to be off to college. And so Absolutely. I was, I had 10,000 employees and was flying all over the country. And our home office was in Tampa, Florida. And, you know, I wanted to find something that would keep me closer to home where I could, you know, grow a restaurant company and uh, partner with uh, uh, our, our CEO and founder is a lot pizza Conwin to help, you know, grow this incredible brand, but also get to spend time with my children and be at home a little bit more. So it's been really a wonderful experience. That's fantastic. When you think back over your career, Jason, who, who is it, or maybe it's more than one person, but who's had the, um, the biggest impact on you and your leadership? And why was that? Like, who was that person or who are those people and what was the impact and how do they impact you? You know, Bobby, um, the list is is so long. It's really hard for me to <laughs> name one person. Of course, um, you know. I mean, going way back, obviously, you know, my father and mother. Um, you know, whether it was my mom, you know, cooking in the kitchen and letting me be creative with food, or my father, and he ran a, a large school district, and so you know, discipline and consistency, and 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 especially in his realm of uh, of, of of government, you know, politics. But, um, 
you know, the first guy I went to work for, I worked at his uh, first Outback Steakhouse in Wichita, Kansas, Monty Batson. I mean, I thought he just ran one heck of a restaurant, learned a lot from him, and that helped inspire me to go into the business. But then over the years, I mean, so many people um, from a dishwasher in Longview, Texas to, um, <laughs> you know, to you, you know, even the, 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 the short amount of time that you and I have uh, spoken to one another. I mean, I really feel like you can get a positive impact or influence from everybody. Um, yeah. You know, right now, I, 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 it's a lot. I get to work with a founder. And when I was looking for my next adventure, that was one of the things that was important to me is the opportunity to work with a founder. I think a lot of brands have been at their best when the founders have been involved, you know, whether that was Danny Myers at Shake Shack or the Outback Steakhouse founders or Norman Brinker at Chili's. Um, and then I think over the years, as some of those founders got further away from the business and some of the uh, the the money folks got uh, closer to the business than the culture and and those brands changed over time. So having the opportunity as a lot pizza to work with the founder has been very very cool too. But I, I think you can get influence from everyone. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the CEO of a of a big organization. It can be the ser a server or a cook or a guy you walk by in the grocery store. Um, you know, I think there's there's influence to be garnered from, from everyone. I agree. You know, you bring up something here in this part of the conversation. I'm not sure I've talked about before in the podcast and probably because not everyone has the experience of it, but you know, you're right about working with your founder, right? And what a great experience for you to do that right now. It's a lot, right? To, to be able to be there with them, right? Oh yeah. That's, it's incredible. I mean, that's it's incredible the magic, experience. you know, it, it's, you know, and, you know, you're also right. And I think, you know, I talked about this earlier in another conversation. I had that same experience working for Chipotle with Steve Ells. It was, it was, it was uh, surreal working with the guy who had to go borrow some money from his dad to go buy a Dolly Madison bakery storefront to open up the first Chipotle in Denver, Colorado. Right. It, it mm -hmm. And knowing that he created those menus from scratch, knowing that, you know, he had no idea you know, just all the things that when you're a founder, right? Like, you know, he didn't know how, you know, I mean, just he yeah. didn't know really, I mean, you know, he came, you know, from a culinary background, he worked with an amazing, you know, chef out on the West coast and, and knew he loved food and had this idea, but he was the founder. These were his recipes. He was the guy who started it. And so having that experience and getting to work alongside him for 10 years was just magic. And I think that's, yes. word you, I think that's where you, it's just, it's really magic because when you're there with the person who created the concept, like there is no gray, you know, you, yeah. know, you know exactly what it is that you're focused on, or you know what you're doing and why you're doing it, why it's important, why it matters. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's really important. And, and, and again, not everyone has that experience and I know that, but I think right. for those, those who do, and there's a lot of people who have, I think it's an important thing for them to reflect on and think back and say, yeah, that, that, that was huge. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And when I, when I left, uh, you know, big box corporation to, to join a small pizza startup, some folks thought I was crazy. Of but, course. You know, I working closely with the founder, it only took a few months for me to realize, I mean, th this is 
in fact, magical. And when you look back at Chipotle or Outback Steakhouse or Chili's or whatever concept, you know, that growth phase was often the most fun and sometimes challenging. Um, (laughs) You know, you got to figure a lot of things out, but that's also the fun of it. Um, You know, when I, my, my past life, we had, I think, you know, 600 employees at our home office and here we have 16. So, um, (laughs) you know, when I had a question in my past life, I would call one of 20 lawyers. Uh, Today, I I do a lot of Googling and calling my old friends, but, you know, figuring it out and growing that brand. I think there's a lot of magic there. There, there is. So, all right. So bring us up to current day and tell us about this amazing opportunity that you have today. And I know you're getting ready to open a new restaurant and, and there's a lot going on. So tell us about your brand and, and, and kind of what makes it unique and, and what you're trying to accomplish there. Yeah. I mean, I'm really proud of Zalot Pizza. And that was something that was really important to me when I was looking for my next gig is I wanted a product that I can be proud of. And this pizza certainly is that. Uh, I've got about five extra pounds to show for it, but uh, (laughs) it is really delicious pizza. It's fresh ingredients, homemade, bold flavors. I mean, really great stuff. And I look forward for the opportunity for you and your listeners to try it whenever you visit Dallas. Um, It's a handcrafted pizza. So it's going to be a lot uh, uh, better quality than a lot mm-hmm. of the big chains that you have out there. But right. it is a ghost. It is a ghost kitchen. So it's all takeout. Our, our units are back of the house only. It's delivery and pickup only. And our business is about 75% third party. Okay. So it's a smaller footprint um, with uh, less employees and a smaller menu really just focused on making the best pizzas in the universe. Um, we have homemade dough, fresh, never frozen. W- when I say we make our own sauce in house, you know, it's not like we just add a few little ingredients. We actually roast our Roma tomatoes uh, in our ovens and wow. you know, take that immersion blender and blend it up with garlic and seasoning. And we use the old school, uh, deck style ovens so it's going to take like that new york city uh pizzeria uh we've got some really great um uh you know standard pizzas like our pepperoni it's 100 percent all beef pepperoni uh it's very popular but we're also known for some of our specialty pizzas so we haven't like an elote pizza which is mexican corn and uh, and is just an amazing, uh, uh, unique twist on a pizza. We have uh, a faux shizzle. Um, <laughs> our, uh, our owner and founder is from Vietnam, and his first restaurant was a Vietnamese restaurant. I never had pho until I started, but it's absolutely delicious, and I like to eat it about once a week now. But, but he put basically pho on a pizza, and so it's a, a Vietnamese-style pizza. And so a lot of really unique flavors, fresh ingredients, and, you know, something we're really proud of. Uh, you know, we've got how close a great I am cold... to jumping on a plane right now and flying to Dallas. That well, sounds amazing. I'm... My mouth is watering. Well, My goodness. I can't wait to tell you about our newest pizza. And I'm a little early if I tell you now, but stay tuned. We've got okay. another new pizza that I really think you're going to like. I'll give you one hint. Uh, Nashville. Oh, uh, just, say just no stay more. tuned. Say no stay more. Tuned. I got you. Uh, so, I got you. And it's on a pizza. So <laughs> anyway, um, 
you know, really good food. We, we, we're really proud of our culture too. So, you know, it's not about just selling uh, pizza. It's really about our zealots. That's what we call our employees. And so, um, yeah, we give our employees full benefits. Um, granted, everybody in the company stock options. So even, you know, down to a dishwasher uh, got a chance to own a piece of the pie at Zalot Pizza. And of course, at a growing company, the opportunity for advancement is just even larger. So really, you know, leadership development is my biggest passion and giving someone the opportunity to, you know, do what I did. Someone gave me the chance one day to, you know, start as a server and a cook and move into management and later on to, you know, run over a hundred restaurants. And so I, I feel like it's my, my duty, a gift, responsibility, uh, a blessing that I have to give others the opportunity for advancement. And when you're growing new restaurants and doubling in size, and we've got you know big plans for growth, and all that does is just really multiply the opportunities that we can provide for our people. You know, I know that uh, there's no way for you to know this, but like I'm just sitting here listening to you right now, and I'm just smiling from ear to ear, just going, "This is amazing!" Because <laughs> you're literally hitting on such so many key important points, and it's a perfect segue into the next thing I want to ask you about, which is the culture and you know, this is something that is really important to me. I know it's important to you is um, the culture that we have, because you can run a restaurant, you can run a concept, you know, you can be on paper, at least you can look like you're doing very well. And um, those things can be true on paper, but if you don't have the culture to support it, it's just a house of cards. And so I'd love to hear you talk just a little bit more about culture and why it's important. Why does that matter to you? It's a lot. Why does that matter to you personally? And what do you, what sorts of things are you doing? You've already mentioned a couple of things, which are amazing. Like every employee is eligible to receive stock options. And that's incredible. That's, that's not the norm in the industry, but, but what are some things you're doing to create that culture that you talk about? I, I think culture is really almost everything. You know, I mean, we sell right. pizza to make money, but we're really more in the people business. You know, I mean, pizza is the product that we sell, but we don't use robots. We don't use a, <laughs> uh, a conveyor belt. It's not a frozen pizza that you just pop in the oven and it pops right out. I mean, this takes love and care. And I think you can actually taste the love in food when you know someone prepared it with love. Totally and true. so in order for them to put and pour love into the product that we're selling, you know, we've got to take great care of them and pour love into them. They've got to feel good about what they're doing and that their work matters. Um, so I, I think culture is really just all about that feeling that you have. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things I think you can do to support a great culture, um, you know, open and transparent communication. Uh -huh. um, you know, we have obviously shared values. Um, we've got supporting materials. We've got a, you know, great interactive website where all of our employees can, you know, get on and, and you know, post pictures or communicate directly with myself and the founder. And so, you know, I think all that helps. Um, you know, a poster or a, a sure. website, I think that's all supporting materials. But deep down, 
I believe that culture is the way that people are treated on a day-to-day basis. And that becomes your culture. It really does. The way, yeah. I mean, if the way that people are treated on a day-to-day basis don't match up with the poster on the wall or what the website says, then, then that, that's not authentic. And they're going to lose faith in that real quick. So, you know, we do a lot of things. We have a culture crew where we have an hourly uh, employee from each restaurant that we get together on a quarterly basis. We, we make a big deal out of recognition and, you know, uh, a gracious employee of the quarter program. And so, yeah, I do think that those are important things, but at the end of the day, it's really all about how people are treated on a day-to-day basis. And my general approach to that has always been um, a kind with people, but tough on results. So we want to have high standards and take a lot of pride in, in the pizzas that we serve and the cleanliness of our restaurants and the service that we're giving our customers. But we're going to go all about that in a kind and respectful way. Absolutely. I mean, those are such great examples of, of things that you've done to help create that strong culture. And, and then also how you've connected that culture to your vision, right? Uh, That's right. I think it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. And you have to have both, right? You have to have, you know, you can have a strong, compelling vision, but you have to have the culture in order to connect those two things. And, and yeah, uh, I think it all ties together. And, and so really my goal is to create an environment of growth. And by that, I don't only mean growing new restaurants, but I mean creating a growth environment, you know, a right. nurturing environment where people can grow themselves and get better as human beings every day, yep. but also grow their leadership careers. And then in turn, that will help us grow more restaurants and, and eventually grow the sales and profits that we desire as a business. But I think that environment of growth and sales and profits and new stores actually starts with creating an environment of growth for your people. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well said. Well said. Yeah. So <clears throat> when you think about this question, um, I'll, I'll be really curious to get your answer on this. But when you think about it, like what piece of advice, like if you could go back in time, what piece of advice would you give your 25 year old self? Like if you could go back today, what would you tell yourself at the age of 25? Probably chill out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't overthink things, you know, especially folks young in, in their careers, you know, are just so determined and, you know, have such great aspirations and, you know, <laughs> keep, keep your visions and your goals high, but keep your feet on the ground. You know, right. I, I guess, you know, just be yourself and, uh, you know, keep your faith in, in family and your faith in God and you'll be just fine. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what um, my, my, my advice to myself <laughs> is today. So yes, I would go back Yes. Advise my 24, 25 year old self to just relax, be <laughs> yourself, keep the faith, you know, do what you can uh, and what you can control and everything else will take care of itself. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how do you use technology like for yourself? Like how, how do you use it? You know, you mentioned a couple of really cool things earlier that you'll probably want to expand on. Like, I love that you have an interactive way for the team to um, be able to see you, hear from you, hear from the founder. 
but like how how is it that you're using technology to help you know expand your leadership in the organization of Zalot? That's a great question. So interestingly enough, you know, I came from a big big organization, right. um, and I I went to a small organization, but I actually feel like this smaller organization is is maybe even a little further advanced with leveraging technology. And so, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that we're instilling that as a piece of what we do. And, a, you know, a bit of that is that we're a ghost kitchen. And so a lot of what we do is digital. Our transactions are digital. Our, our delivery is done digital. I mean, 80%, 75%, 80% of our customers don't ever even come into our restaurants. They just get it delivered through third parties. So leveraging technology is important to us with our customers, communicating with them. We actually have a driver loyalty program as well. And so we've got a, a Facebook page where third-party drivers can join this. And when they do, we give them a, an employee discount on our pizza. And when they deliver 30 pizzas for us, they get a free pizza. And so that helps so many wow. things. But we're able to communicate to third-party drivers and actually earn some of their loyalty. So, you know, obviously the benefits to that are endless, whether that's, that's they, incredible. Take, yeah. they take better care of our food and, you know, maybe a little more care and concern when they put that food into their back seat. And, right. um, you know, then if they have two orders to choose to pick from and it's, you know, a taco shop that maybe makes them sit in the corner and doesn't treat them too well, or if they come to the lot pizza where they're a member of our loyalty program, then, you know, if we hope that they'll choose us. Um, oh. But I mean, as far as leadership goes with technology, there is basically no excuse to not develop yourself. Yeah. Uh, we, we have every piece of information <laughs> at our fingertips. We sure do. And so, you know, that, that's honestly, I, I, I think one of the best parts of technology is there's really no excuse not to grow as a leader whether it's listening to a podcast like uh, Cutting Onions, whether it's, you know, reading a book, uh, whether it's an article, you know, uh, uh, LinkedIn, you know, Travis Bradbury or John Maxwell or Simon Sinek. I mean, there's so many great uh, uh, newsletters and podcasts and articles. I mean, it's just really no end to uh, improving yourself as a leader. Uh, but I also think there's a watch out to that. And there has to be some boundaries set up, um, especially, you know, with the digital world we live in. So, you know, knowing when to disconnect, yep. knowing when to recharge the batteries, knowing when it's time to put your phone down and your ringer off and go and uh, and look someone eye to eye. So like, you know, whenever I do a restaurant visit, I I shut my ringer off and if I'm sitting down talking to a leader, that's the only thing that matters. You know, so I think technology is so helpful and so critical, but also, you know, have to watch out for some of the downsides of it and know that at the end of the day, that it's it's never really going to replace human relationships. You know, um, I couldn't agree more with you, Jason. And I think also, you know, you kind of touch on something I think everyone's going to be really sensitive to, uh, and we should be with technology. As you and I were just sitting here talking about this topic and you were talking, I'm sitting here looking at my Zoom screen 
And over this last year, we've all been so heavily impacted with COVID-19 and working remotely and utilizing technology at a whole new level, I think. And there are people, I think, over the last year that have used technology more than they ever have in their entire life. Yeah. And so there is, you know, you, you know, you hear these stories about um, Zoom fatigue and mm-hmm. uh, just technology overload. And, and so I think you're, you're absolutely right. Like it's such a wonderful gift and it's such a way, you know, the connectivity it provides us as leaders to our teams is, is, is incredibly important, but there is a tipping point where uh, it can become a problem. And so I think it's very wise um, to share that um, this is important. It's a great tool, but there is, there is a, a point where there's probably a diminishing return on. Yeah. On it. It, it just, it's just, that's going to look different for everyone, right? It, it, you know, yes. It's not going to be the same for everyone, but uh, I think being self-aware enough to recognize it, um, is super important. Yes. Well said. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that up. That's awesome. All right. So I love this part of the podcast. So now we're going to do the fast five. So these are my fast okay. five. So just, just right off the top of your head, no deep thoughts here. Uh, um, unless you have them to share, but, uh, um, so with the fast five, like you're in Dallas now, you've been in Dallas. How, how long now? How many years in Dallas? Since 2013. So right, I so you've been there eight years and eight, we love Dallas. Yeah, years. We love Texas. Yeah. Well, I'm going to consider that your hometown right now, even okay. though it's not your hometown, but what's your, uh, what is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Like, 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 what do you get when you go to the, whatever your favorite is for you, or your family, what's your go-to? Well, um, I've got a real problem with cheeseburgers. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I, this is a hard answer. Uh, I'm, you know, I spent many years in Kansas City. So Jack Stack barbecue oh, burnt ends are awesome. So um, there's no shortage of wonderful uh, uh, Tex-Mex food in Dallas. So, right. you know, I could probably eat chips and salsa almost every day. And, <laughs> and uh, yes, I do make my family happy once a week by bringing them home some delicious Zalat pizza. Uh, but course. if it was for me, yes, and because uh, me and my son had a guy's night a couple of nights ago when my uh, wife and daughter were at cheerleading tryouts. And we went to a place called Snuffers. And it's just a burger joint. And they they claim to have the original cheese fries. I, I don't know the truth of that, but a good uh, burger and snuffers. cheese fries. Snuffers. Yes, snuffers. Okay. Now I have to work it off extra the next morning, but right. Um, I, I I enjoy a little snuffers in Dallas. Good to know. I'll have to try yeah. that. I've not heard of snuffers. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I hadn't before I moved down here, but it's uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. What do you know now? that you wish you had known when you first began your career? Well, um, you know, I always say no regrets and, you know, even the mistakes and the things that I wish I would have known helped me to become who I am today and and learning from things. But I, I, I would have prioritized self care more. You know, meaning make the time to invest in yourself. Right. Um, you know, I, I think I would used to deprioritize myself for the business and for my family. And then I, I went on to learn that if I invested in myself, that I would actually be a better husband and a better father and a better leader in my business. So Absolutely. I guess I would say to, you know, 
invest in yourself and prioritize self-care. That's awesome. What are you curious about right now? Well, I, uh, I'm a li- I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I really enjoy reading. It's uh, you know a, a, a discipline that I've picked up in the last year or two as I, I read first thing every morning. So, you know, I, I really do think it's important to every single day intentionally, um, you know, uh, put uh, good things into your mind to, right. uh, to think about and to uh, learn new things and different perspectives. So, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, always curious and wanting to learn, but just from a business perspective, one thing that I've been thinking a lot lately about is the third party companies yeah. and the, the relationship they have to the restaurant industry. You know, at, at, at some folks, uh, especially small restaurants, um, I mean, they get they get smacked with some big fees. And, yep. and in many cases, those third party companies may be viewed as the evil empire. But, right. you know, they're they're necessary. And we especially learned that with COVID that, you know, when, with our business, we partner with them. Uh, we rely on them. But there is a a tipping point with that. Um, They've gotten very smart about uh, fees and new programs and uh, things like Dash Pass that pops up. And, you know, there's a big uh, 25% fee associated with that. And so, um, you know, they're not going away and restaurants aren't going away. And so I, I think it'll be real interesting to see how this partnership um, evolves between restaurants and the third party companies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right. I think, especially for smaller restaurateurs, smaller organizations, uh, smaller restaurant companies who have struggled with that over the last year. Um, you know, we all saw this, you know, we all saw it happen. We all saw it unfold. And you look at a company like yours and obviously during this time of COVID-19, when many restaurants struggled, to keep their doors open and many didn't you did. And mm-hmm. I would say it's safe to say that uh, a lot is not just surviving, but you're thriving. Yes. Uh, Thankfully. And, and, and I think that has a lot to do with, I would imagine your ability to embrace technology, your ability to pioneer in many ways, the relationships you had with those third party delivery companies and Whereas many smaller restaurateurs just struggled to do that because they they saw the twenty five percent as well that there's just no way right right and they didn't look at the fact that they would be doing significantly more volume. Yes, you're sharing part of the pie, but you have more of the pie to share. So the, it's just a it's just one of those things that um, I think we've all seen. What I said on an earlier podcast late last year was that for all those organizations, all those smaller restaurant companies that embrace this technology, that embrace that third-party delivery system, those are the ones that are going to be able to continue the journey. Um, Yeah. And fortunately for us, we did have that relationship and we were, you know, we were ahead of this before COVID hit. We we had already intended on, on doing our concept as a ghost kitchen. So it was good for us, but just overall, you know, it seems like the industry and the third parties rely on one another. 
And yeah. I know that a lot of the big box chains get the big box discount. And, you know, it's not so fair to the little guy or the independent who are getting charged um, crazy amounts. And so mm -hmm. figuring out how to make that work profitably so that it benefits both sides is something that is on my mind. Absolutely. Uh, there's no question about it. And I think that they will become more receptive to adjusting fee structures um, and they'll be more receptive to understanding that they've got to figure this out for long-term relationships. Um, and I'm so glad you were ahead of the curve on this because what I also saw in the industry is that many, many smaller concepts who didn't already have a relationship with DoorDash or Uber Eats or Grubhub or whoever it is that they were using, those companies had a really hard time starting up because those third-party delivery companies were just slammed. I mean, they had so mm -hmm. much. Oh, going. yeah. I mean, it was impossible for them to take on new business. So like you, some of the concepts I'd worked with had gotten on board the previous year, the previous summer. So we were already locked in and already had the relationship. And so then we got tons of marketing support and all that. So you're right. It's a good thing to be curious about because we do need to make sure that we, we need to somewhat be able to level the playing field a yeah. little bit on fee structures and how it all and how we work together. And I think you said it. How do we work together? to make this a partnership that will benefit both sides. That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, we've talked about this a little bit already. So just, you know, throughout your career, throughout your journey, um, you know, there, throughout my journey, throughout all of our journeys, there's things that, you know, we have failed at, but we've been able to fail in a way that's actually helped us be better. So anything else with that, anything else that you think back over your career and said, man, you know, I didn't do this, wished I would have, but I didn't, but now here I am. And I'm actually better for it. Anything else that you can think yeah, of? Yeah, probably every board meeting that I was in, I, I, left, <laughs> I left thinking, did I say too much? Did, did I, I not, not say, say enough? enough? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't have like one particular incident, but I, I would say just live and learn. Yeah. Um, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Just get over it, I think, is the most important part. And so... Yeah. Um, I do believe, though, strongly in the value of reflection. Um, I believe that reflection is a critical life skill. Um, it supercharges growth. It accelerates development. And, you know, so for me, reading helps me reflect. But for others, maybe it's just silence. You know, maybe it's just that white noise of, of, of that white space of 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 no radio or just silence, but being able to spend some time, maybe it's on your drive home from a restaurant. Maybe it's early the next morning over mm -hmm. a book with your coffee, but I do believe there's value in reflection. And I don't mean regret right. or worry or consternation. I'm, I'm completely opposed to that. So I believe there's great value to reflection and learning from things as long as you don't live in the past and it's not about, you know, regret or worry or consternation. It's really just about reflecting on yesterday, getting better today, mm -hmm. and then knowing that tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and try to be better all over again. So I'm a collector of quotes and I wrote this down. I wrote reflection supercharges growth. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm going to quote you on that. So it may show up okay. in the tweet. So just FYI. All right. Listen, I hope I don't test. add this podcast to my list of failures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I think it's been all. a pretty good conversation. Uh, it's been so a really far. good conversation. But <laughs> um, is there anything I should have asked you, but I didn't? Anything you can think of? Well, seeing that you're in Kansas City, um, and you know, sports analogies go hand in hand in business. <laughs> I guess I'd have to say that my favorite sports team is the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what I'm talking and about. They've done many things over the years to earn loyalty yes. from their fans. And I just love that fan base. And even when there were losing seasons, they were still out there tailgating in Arrowhead parking lot. Yep. But now to see that come you know, full circle. And I won't mention uh, this last year's Super Bowl, but, you know, winning uh, the, my our first Super Bowl and waiting 50 years for that moment yep. was pretty incredible. But, you know, I think there's there's lessons to be learned there, too, whether it's, you know, Patrick Mahomes, humility and work ethic or Andy Reid's um, collaboration with uh, new and young players or Clark Hunt's uh, affinity and love for Chiefs Kingdom and the fan base. Um, I'm a huge Chiefs fan, and uh, I do think there are some uh, some leadership lessons wrapped in there somewhere, too. 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, you mentioned Andy Reid, and I'm glad you did, because I, I just love watching his press conferences, because Andy <laughs> Andy's a straight shooter. Um, and he doesn't take crap from anybody. What I mean by that is sometimes a reporter, because, you know, they're a reporter and they're trying to get a story or whatever. And, you know, he what I what I love about Andy is that he sticks up for his players. He yes. doesn't minimize their mistakes and he owns it. But he also doesn't let someone go after anyone. And mm -hmm. I love that. Right. When you talk about protecting your culture and you talk about creating a culture having a leader like that, who's going to stick up for his team and take ownership for the mistake, whatever the mistake was, you know, he's going to take that ownership, right? He knows where they need to get better. And so I've watched him several times in press conferences, say something to along the lines of, okay, that's not even a real question. You know, yeah. like, like don't even ask that question. Right. You know? Um, well, and, and I love how he collaborates with the players too. Yes. It's the classic managerial approach. He doesn't just tell them what to do. No, he says, what do you think we should do? Exactly. And then getting their input and their thought process and their buying in the process, they have trust. And, Absolutely. you know, even as a lot pizza, part of our culture, we call it sculling, but it's basically, okay. you know, collaborating without egos and, you know, being open to new ideas and, you know, not working in a silo. It's not just what one person thinks. It's what do you think we should do? And right. soliciting more feedback and, you know, getting buy-in along the way in the process, I think sure. is so critical. And I think Reed does it wonderfully with, you know, Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones and Frank Clark and all the characters in Kansas City. Wow. Amazing. So true. So true. Yeah. Um, when you think about restaurant leadership, Jason, and you think about all the things that we teach is there one thing in your opinion that we don't teach as much as we should when it comes to restaurants? And, and what is that thing for you that you strive to make sure you 
cover when you're meeting with a leader or you're in a restaurant and you're, you know, you're having that one-on-one with that particular restaurant leader. Is there anything that isn't taught as much as it should be? Yeah, I lo- this is a very good question. You know, a lot of people um, ask what the most important leadership trait is, and there's a lot of them. But um, if I were to pick one trait that I believe we should focus on more and that I have been focusing on more, it would be centeredness. Mm. Uh, meaning um, it's good to have a sense of urgency, but you don't want to move so fast that you turn around and there's nobody behind you. Wow. Um, You want to be a great communicator, you know, to be able to talk with people one-on-one or talk with people in a group, but don't talk so much that you forget to listen. You know, Mm -hmm. being a good communicator is sometimes about just, uh, being quiet and listening. Yes. Um, uh, accountability is another example. You know, uh, you certainly want to hold people accountable, but are you also remaining centered and mm-hmm. looking for uh, areas to recognize someone who's doing it right? So right. I, I think there's great value into centeredness. I love that. That is so good. That is so good. And speaking of so good, wow, this conversation Amazing. Just as amazing yeah, as I thought great. it would be. I, I cannot thank you enough, Jason, for making the time. I know you've got a very, very busy week. You have a new store opening, right? Yes, like, sir. In Arlington, yeah. Texas. That's yeah. amazing. That is fantastic. Um, yeah. I know that when people listen to this podcast, they're going to want to connect with you. How can they best do that? Well, Bobby, first of all, thanks for having me. I've had a great time and you know, really enjoyed the conversation with you. I know we'll stay more in touch and hope to do this again sometime. But Absolutely. Uh, if, you're, if you're interested in learning more about our concept, check our website out on zalotpizza.com. And I uh, hadn't been much into social media uh, most of my life. I stay away from Facebook and Twitter, but a uh, mentor of mine did uh, encourage me to get on LinkedIn a couple of years ago, and now I really enjoy it. I, you and I uh, met on LinkedIn, and we I've did. gotten the opportunity to, you know, talk about a, a, a technology platform to, you know, help uh, increase your influence or your leadership connections. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn if uh, folks want to check me out there, and you know, otherwise, uh, it's been great visiting with you today, and. Um, I've had a great time. Awesome, Jason. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today and this conversation with Jason Brooks, Chief Operating Officer of Zalot Pizza in Dallas, Texas. What a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to meeting Jason in person and heading down to Dallas to try some Zalot pizza, especially the pizza that he alluded to in his interview with me that I cannot wait to try. It's based on Nashville. I'll let you guys put two and two together and figure that out. Anyway, thanks again for listening to this podcast. Feel free to connect with Jason and reach out to him if you'd like to have more conversation. I know I will be. Thank you very much again. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week on the Cutting Onions Podcast.